Coffee Net podcast. We're so glad that you joined us for our Revive by the Word episode today. Welcome, Bronwyn. Kia ora. I'm Bronwyn, and I'm so excited about reading to you the Word of God. And um, in Psalm 119, it says, Revive me by your word, just like you promised you would. So come and join in and listen and be revived by his word. Mark chapter 4 Once again, Jesus went to teach the people on the shore of Lake Galilee, and a massive crowd surrounded him. The crowd was so huge that he had to get into a boat and teach the people from there. He taught them many things by using parables to illustrate spiritual truths, saying, Consider this, a farmer went out to sow seeds. As he cast his seeds, some of it fell along the beaten path, and soon the birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell onto gravel with no topsoil, and the seeds quickly sprouted since the soil had no depth. But when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns, so when the seeds sprouted, so did the thorns, crowding out the young plants so that they could produce no grain. But some of the seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded thirty, some sixty, and even one hundred times as much as was planted. If you understand this, then you need to respond. Afterwards, Jesus, his disciples and those close to him remained behind to ask Jesus about his parables. He said to them, The privilege of intimately knowing the mystery of God's kingdom realm has been granted to you, but not to the others, where everything is revealed in parables. For even when they see what I do, they will not understand, and when they hear what I say, they will learn nothing, otherwise they would repent and be forgiven. Then he said to them, If you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? Let me explain. The farmer sows the word as seed. And what falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the word, but immediately Satan appears and snatches it from their hearts. The seed sown on gravel represents those who hear the word and receive it joyfully, but because their hearts fail to sink a deep root into the word, they don't endure for long. For when trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, they immediately wilt and fall away. And the seed sown among the thorns represents those who hear the word, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it produces nothing. But the seed sown on good soil represents those who open their hearts to receive the word and their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of thirty, sixty, even 100 times more than was sown. He also gave them this parable. No one lights a lamp only to place it under a basket or under the bed. It is meant to be placed on a lampstand. For there is nothing that is hidden that won't be disclosed, and there is no secret that won't be brought out into the light. If you understand what I'm saying, you need to respond. Then he said to them, Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear, for as you do, 
more understanding will be given to you. And according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation, but those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. Jesus also told them this parable. God's kingdom realm is like someone spreading seed on the ground. He goes to bed and gets up day after day, and the seed sprouts and grows tall, though he knows not how. All by itself it sprouts, and the soil produces a crop. First the green stem, then the head on the stalk, and then the fully developed grain in the head. Then when the grain is ripe, he immediately puts a sickle to the grain because the harvest time has come. And he told them this parable. How can I describe God's kingdom realm? Let me illustrate it with this parable. It is like the mustard seed, the tiniest of all the seeds. Yet when it springs up and grows, it becomes the largest plant in the garden. And with so many enormous spreading branches, even birds can nest in its shade. Jesus used many parables such as these as he taught the people, and when they learned accordingly to their ability to understand. He never spoke to them without using parables, but would wait until they were alone before he explained their meanings to his disciples. Later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from the shore with him, as he had been teaching from the boat, and there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So they shook him awake, saying, Teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, calm down. All at once the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. Then he turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learnt to trust yet? But they were overcome with fear and awe and said to one another, Who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and waves obey him? Mark chapter 5 They arrived at the other side of the lake at the region of the Geron Seas. As Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard and confronted him. The man had been living there amongst the tombs of the dead, and no one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. For every time they attempted to chain his hands and feet with shackles, he would snap the chains and break the shackles in pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. Day and night he could be found lurking in the cemetery or in the vicinity, shrieking and mangling himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him, screaming out at the top of his lungs, Leave me alone, Jesus, son of the Most High God. Swear in God's name that you won't torture me. For Jesus had already said to him, Come out of that man, you demon spirit. Jesus said to him, What is your name? Mob, he answered. They call me Mob because there are thousands of us. 
in his body. He begged Jesus repeatedly not to expel them out of the region. Nearby there was a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission and the demon horde immediately came out of the man and went into the pigs. This caused the herd to rush madly down the steep slope and fall into the lake, drowning about 2,000 pigs. Now the herdsmen fled to the nearby villages, telling everyone what they saw as they ran through the countryside, and everyone came out to see what had happened. When they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man sitting there, properly clothed and in his right mind. Seeing what had happened to the man who had thousands of demons, the people were terrified. Those who had witnessed this miracle reported the news to the people and included what had happened to the pigs. Then they asked Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, the man who had been set free from the demons asked him, Could I go with you? Jesus answered no, but said to him, Go back to your home and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. So the man left and went into the regions of Jordan and parts of Syria to tell everyone he met about what Jesus had done for him. And all the people marveled. As Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed his way through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, Please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her and she will live. Jesus went with him and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on him from all sides. Now in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting any better, but worse. But when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd, came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to herself, If only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd, saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, What do you mean, who touched you? Look at this huge crowd, they're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd, looking for the one who had touched him for healing. When the woman who experienced this miracle realised what had happened to her, she came before him, trembling with fear, and she threw herself down at his feet, saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him her story of what had just happened. Then Jesus said to her, Daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. 
Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. And before he had finished speaking, people arrived from Jairus's house and pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. But Jesus refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, Don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. So they left for his home, but Jesus didn't allow anyone to go with them except Peter and the two brothers, Jacob and John. When they arrived home at the synagogue ruler, the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered a noisy uproar among the people, for they were all weeping and wailing. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, Why all this grief and weeping? Don't you know the girl is not dead, but merely asleep? Then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him, but he threw them all outside. Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples and went into the room where the girl was laying. He tenderly clasped the child's hands in his and said to her in Aramaic, Talitha Kuam, which means little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. Instantly the twelve-year-old girl sat up, stood to her feet and started walking around the room. Everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. Jesus had them bring her something to eat, and he repeatedly cautioned them that they were to tell no one about what had happened. Mark chapter 6 Afterward, Jesus left Capernaum and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. On the Sabbath, he went to teach in the synagogue. Everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. They said among themselves, what incredible wisdom has been given to him. Where did he receive such profound insights? And what mighty miracles flow through his hands? Isn't this Mary's son, the carpenter, the brother of Jacob, Joseph, Judah and Simon? And don't his sisters all live here in Nazareth? And they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is treated with honour everywhere except in his own hometown, among his relatives and in his own house. He was unable to do any great miracle in Nazareth except to heal a few sick people by laying his hands upon them. He was amazed at the depth of their unbelief. Then Jesus went out into the different villages and taught the people. Jesus gathered his twelve disciples and imparted to them his authority to cast out demons. Then he sent them out in pairs with these instructions. Take only your staff and the sandals on your feet. No bread, no knapsack, no garment and no money. And whatever you enter, stay there until you leave the area. Whatever community does not welcome you or receive your message, leave it behind. And as you go, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached publicly that everyone should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. King Herod soon heard about Jesus, for the name of Jesus was on everyone's lips. Some were even saying about him, John the baptizer had been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers flow from him. Others said, no, he's Elijah, 
while others said, He's a prophet like one of the prophets of old. When Herod heard what the people were saying, he concluded, I beheaded John, and now he's raised from the dead. For Herod had John arrested and thrown into prison for for repeatedly rebuking him in public, saying, You have no right to to marry Herodias, the wife of your brother Philip. You are violating the law of God. This infuriated Herodias, and she hurled a bitter grudge against him and wanted John executed. But Herod both feared and stood in awe of John and kept him safely in custody because he was convinced that he was a righteous and holy man. Every time Herod heard John speak, it disturbed his soul, but he was drawn to him and enjoyed listening to his words. But Herodias found her opportunity to have John killed. It was on the king's birthday. Herod prepared a great banquet and invited all his officials, military commanders and the leaders of the province of Galilee to celebrate with him on his birthday. On the day of the feast, his stepdaughter, the daughter of Herodias, came to honour the king with a beautiful dance and she flattered him. Her dancing greatly pleased the king and his guests, so he said to the girl, you can ask me for anything you want and I will give it to you. As he repeated it in front of everyone with a vow to complete his promise to her, anything you desire and it will be yours. I'll even share my kingdom with you. She immediately left the room and said to her mother, what should I ask for? Her mother answered, the king, the head, sorry, the head of John the baptizer on a platter. So she hurried back to the king and made her request. I want you to bring me the head of John the baptizer on a platter and I want it right now. Deeply grieved, the king regretted his promise to her, but since he had made his vow in front of all his honored guests, he couldn't deny her request. So without delay, the king ordered an executioner to bring John's head and he went and beheaded John in prison. He brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl and the girl brought it to her mother. When John's followers heard what had happened, they came and removed his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles returned from their mission and gathered around Jesus and told him everything that had done that everything they had done and taught. There was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going that they were unable to even eat a meal. So John said to his disciples, Come, let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while. They slipped away and left by sailboat for a deserted spot. But many of the people saw them leaving and realised where they were heading. So they took off running along the shore. Then people from the surrounding towns joined them in the chase and a large crowd got there ahead of them. By the time Jesus came ashore, a massive crowd was waiting. At the sight of them, his heart was filled with compassion because they seemed like wandering sheep who had no shepherd. So he taught them many things. Later that afternoon, his disciples said, It is getting late. And we're really we're here in this remote place with nothing to eat. You should send the crowds away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and buy food for themselves. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. Are you sure? they replied. You really want us to go and buy them supper? 
It would cost a small fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. How many loaves of bread do you have, he asked. Go and see. After they had looked around, they came back and said, Five, plus a couple of fish. Then he instructed them to organise the crowd and have them sit down in groups on the grass. So they, so they had them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Then Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes, gazed into heaven and gave thanks to God. He broke the bread and the two fish and distributed them to the disciples to serve the people. And the food was multiplied in front of their eyes. Everyone had plenty to eat and was fully satisfied. Then the twelve disciples picked up what remained and each of them ended up with a basket full of leftovers. Altogether, five thousand families were fed that day. After everyone had their meal, Jesus instructed his disciples to get back into the boat and go on ahead of him and sail to the other side to Bethsaida. So he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to his disciples and slipped away to pray on the mountain. As night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. The wind was against the disciples and he could see that they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. When it was almost morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the surface of the water, and he started to pass by, by them. When they all saw him walking on the waves, they thought, it, thought at once he was a ghost and screamed out in terror. But he said to them at once, Do not yield to fear, have courage. It is really me, I am. Then he came closer and climbed into the boat with them, and immediately the stormy wind became still. They were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of their lives and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. They made landfall at Gennesaret and anchored there. The moment they got out of the boat, everyone recognised that it was Jesus, the healer. So they ran through the region, telling the people, bring all the sick, even those too sick to walk, and bring them on mats. Wherever he went, in the countryside, villages or towns, they placed the sick on mats in the street or in public places, and begged him, saying, just let us touch the tassel of your prayer shawl, and all who touched him were instantly healed. <laughs> 